0: fish hey everybody mm-hmm. welcome to episode 226 of the growing the fishes podcast well, this hello. week we have a local Oklahoma grower uh, and uh uh, podcaster and uh, cannabis uh, community member, uh, Canna Queen. Hello.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me on.
0: Good. Welcome. Yes. And then we also have Marty. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Hello,
2: hello. Before,
0: uh, before we get started, everybody be sure to check out um, uh, the website. Oh, I got to. I forgot that. I'll get the link in the website uh, here in a second once we get intros over. Um, but be sure to check out over at jellybomb.com. Uh, we have a whole bunch of cool merch, um, uh, all kinds of aquaponic cannabis t shirts and hoodies. Um, and uh, the proceeds go to just helping us pay for the servers uh, to host the podcast and all the, the back end stuff. So <clears throat> um, thanks a lot, Jesse, for putting that all together. Uh, also, check us out over at apmjclass.com. Uh, and apmjnewts.com we have a very advanced um, over 600 lecture aquaponic cannabis class Uh, it's incredibly in-depth we're constantly adding new content to that uh, every week Um, and then we're going to continue to do that you know throughout the year Uh, that's what you pay for Uh, so it's a really cool uh, cool experience and it gives you a a top to bottom uh, how to grow in aquaponics um, without uh, you know um, having to learn it from and, and go through it the hard way so uh, and then again, constantly adding new methods, new techniques, new microbial inoculants, new um, you know uh, beneficial microbes, and all different types of cool stuff that we're we're constantly adding content to it. I know Marty's just put a whole new batch of over twenty videos up just the other day, so uh, just yesterday I think it was. So, uh, yeah. So
2: yeah, I think we're in the fish section right now. So just to give you an idea, we have like maybe like fifteen different uh, slides on various species of fish on, you know, different types of shrimp and concerns for all those things. So that's uh, our current stuff that's going up right now, just to give you some examples. And then also uh, some different methods for breeding, um, all kinds of helpful stuff uh, around all kinds of aquaponic inhabitants.
0: Oh yeah. And then we have an in-depth, you know, guides on different design types. What work, what doesn't, comparison videos, and pictures of different grill methods, where, you know, before and afters of different things were tried, uh, all different types of, of data that you're just not gonna get anywhere else. Uh, so um, definitely check that out. Uh, and then over at apmjnewts.com, uh, you can get all your aquaponic cannabis nutrients for your system uh, or your vegetables. Alrighty, um, uh, so thanks a lot, Canada Queen, for joining us. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you do with the content that you're creating.
1: I'm super excited uh, that you have me on. Um, Again, I'm Hannah Queen. Um, I am an Okie, I guess that's what what they call them, right? Okies. (laughs) So I'm officially an Okie now. Um, And like you said, I do have a podcast as well. I do um, interview styles sort of like this, and I just kind of dive into like everything from growing to being a patient to um you know if it, they're the extraction process if it's you know the edible process I kind of just grab a little bit of the whole community and kind of piece off knowledge <laughs> week by week when I can <laughs> that's
0: really cool so um uh, I understand you have a, over you have 16 episodes right now uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the different um uh, guests that you've had on and some of the different uh, maybe interesting content that you've covered so far
1: yeah. So, um, I started with just kind of doing a basic, um, like questionnaire over social media, just kind of gathering like information from the, my followers and, I um, kind of got in depth with some of them and asked, you know, more in depth questions as far as like how long they've been smoking, why they're smoking. Um, some of them were ranged from like People that I've known for a couple years, and others were like teachers that I had when I was a, you know, in elementary school. So it was really cool to see the broad spectrum of people who are cannabis users. Um, and then from that was kind of like the intro to get started. And then from there, I've interviewed, um, just like I said, cultivators. Um, I've kind of. Dove into different um, styles of growing. Um, I honestly didn't know that you could, de- you know, even grow with fish um, until I moved to Oklahoma. So that concept is entirely new and super intriguing to me. Um, but you know, I've, we, I've done um, just outdoor or greenhouse or hydroponics. I've done those kind of interviews, and then I've interviewed um, brokers. You know, who maybe handle multiple businesses. So someone who, you know, has business A, B, and C, and then they go out to di- the uh, dispensaries and they're trying to, you know, sell the products. Um, One of my favorite ones, honestly, so far is probably the bud tender episode that I did. And I just grabbed a couple bud tenders. Um, and we had like a little shit talking fest of just kind of what goes on behind scenes of the uh, dispensaries and, you know, what to expect. And, what we kind of see because it's been interesting being in this community because it's ever growing and everybody kind of thinks they know everything about this community and so it's cool to kind of see different insights everywhere that you know and within everyone that i've interviewed so i've really gotten to learn not only different methods to everything but even just like different personalities and that's been really fun to to see just in this community alone
0: awesome so uh what are some of the common trends with products i noticed you, you you've toured quite a few different dispensaries in your different uh, episodes uh, what are some of the more common product trends you're seeing in oklahoma
1: um definitely um I feel I feel like within this community it it's a lot of what people are you know basically hollering out on social media the most um and that's concentrates it's everyone kind of jumped on that bandwagon I feel like um and I don't know if maybe it's because it's more of a newer way to smoke not newer because it's been out for for years however it's the newest way to smoke aside from maybe carts. Um, but everybody, you know, they, they want to be, um, it seems like everybody, like I said, everybody kind of knows everything about everything with uh, the cannabis world. So seeing the different opinions and the different knowledge on concentrates, especially because we've gone from you know, just, we, we have different forms of it, whether it's live resin or, you know, the CRC method is a whole new thing in this world. So it's, that's one of the biggest, I feel like trends that I've seen is everyone's just jumping on the concentrate bandwagon and then trying to tell you if it's CRC or why this isn't good. Or, you know, everybody kind of knows everything about concentrate. So it's been interesting just to see, just to see that. Um, And then other than that, really edibles, I feel like it almost seems as if people are wanting to kind of see what their limit is with eating edibles, you know, like how many can I get? Cause everyone, you know, I feel like a thousand milligrams is kind of a big big trend right now. And everyone's like trying to grab that thousand milligram and, and eat it. But, um, you know, I don't know. It is what it is.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, we have most, most people can't handle more than the one twenty fives or, or two fifties that we make. And, uh, you know, I, I know I certainly can't, so I don't know why other people would want something, you know, I could definitely tell you when I hurt my back, um, uh, I was taking 3000 milligrams a day, but I wasn't taking any pain meds. You know what I mean? So that was, you know, in place of something else, and when you're exactly. taking it for that, then yeah, I can totally understand. But yeah, I think uh, also a lot of people it, it, it has a lot of milligrams in it, but it's not very bioavailable, and people don't Your audio is breaking up. You know, What's actually in so it's just, uh, hold on. I'll see what I can do. All
2: right. Mm-hmm. he's got a backup connection i think he's probably All right okay.
0: um, um so let me jump back here to the question um uh, is this uh any better or is it so bad
2: it's still lagging a little bit i will probably catch up in a minute yeah,
0: a little let me know
2: course it was fine the whole time we were talking before okay (laughs)
0: um, uh, what are some of the uh, popular strains that you're seeing here in Oklahoma
1: did you say popular
0: how it always works popular strains what uh what are the more popular strains that uh, yeah so what are the more popular strains that you're seeing in Oklahoma
1: um I feel like people are going kind of either for just off the wall names, honestly, and not really sticking with kind of those true genetic strands that are out there. But I will say like Jack Herrero is one of them um, that is a go-to. Um, White Widow is another, another big one. And I feel like Wedding Cake, um, although I feel like Wedding Cake is more of a popular strand in a cart rather than just the flower. Mimosa is another one. I think those are probably some of the top favorite strands that I see go in and out, with the exception of like a CBD strand. I think we lost him.
0: (laughs) So tell us about the CBD strains in Oklahoma.
1: Do what?
2: more about the CBD strains in Oklahoma.
1: Right. Um, so we have, um, a couple that I've seen are like route 66. Um, and then there's a 66 cookies. Those are, uh, I feel like the two main that I kind of see circulate quite often. Um, and they all have been, I want to say, one of them was a 6% CBD to like a 1% THC. And I know that, I believe it's when you get that eight to one ratio of the CBD is whenever you're not going to really feel those psychoactive THC components. Um, But all the other ones that we have are, are more of like an 8% 10%. So those are strictly going to be like beneficial CBD, no psychoactive THC feeling. And I have a wide variety of patients coming in to look for it. I was honestly very shocked when I first um, stepped into the dispensary world because they I would say 85% of the patients that come in really, truly need it for that medicinal, you know, they're not coming in just to get, what can I get high off of? So it's, it's really cool to truly help those people that really want it.
2: How, how difficult did you find it opening a dispensary in Oklahoma? I know that's kind of a, a popular, uh, um, business model right now, but uh, Oklahoma is you know kind of famous for being sort of the the Wild West still in terms of doing that kind of stuff. How was your experience getting that? Um,
1: today? It's funny that you say that only because I hear that so much. The Wild Wild West.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we may have started that. some of that. I <laughs> <end> of it. <laughs> um,
1: That's funny. So um, I actually I'm I my family is working on opening our dispensary still um so the dispensary that i work at is not owned by myself or my family gotcha. but i've def- i've been in two dispensary settings since i've been here where i have kind of had to help turn things around from whatever previously happened before so i've gotten to see like the nitty gritty grind, uh, you know, try to get, you know, all the OMA reports in line, trying to get inventory correct, making sure our system's running smoothly, um, all those things, and, and it's it's a lot of work. I know that, um, for net, like as of now, we are working on getting uh, our building, we have our building, we actually just got our uh, compliance for our firewall. We had to do four firewalls back-to-back on one wall. <laughs> got each one of them inspected so it was a pain but it you know it's just part of the process and and other than that we're just waiting on the approval for our um for our license itself but we have a grow so we've had a grow out here for about two years now and um that's just been a really crazy fun journey since you know the the day the day we started with you know building the shop up to you know, getting those compliance, getting all the permits, getting everything in line to, you know, being able to start that first harvest.
2: Sure. What are you guys growing right now? What strains do you guys grow in your, in your grow?
1: Um, so we do Dosido, um, gorilla glue. We have wedding cake. We also have, we have a pink cookies, which is a new one we're actually chopping now. And then, um, what else do we have? Bahama Mama. But our, our top strands are Docido and Gorilla Glue. Those are our favorites. Cool. Well, my favorites. <laughs>
2: Great. Is that Gorilla Glue number four?
1: Yes. Yes. Cool. Yes. Gorilla Glue number four. It, it gives me the munchies like no other strand. I don't know what it is, but the CBN and its high, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it makes me munchy like crazy. <laughs>
2: For sure. <laughs> what what kind of uh, growing methods do you guys have or, or or follow? Do you guys have like a living soil type grow or
1: what are you, uh, so are you guys focusing on? We do. So we are hydroponics, and we they we use the the rock. Oh my gosh, I can't think of the name right now. The little rock, um, like the rocks. They're not soil. The rock beads. Hydrogen? I think
2: the clay
1: pebbles, yeah. yeah. Yes, those. I can't. I mm-hmm. can't think the the actual name for them. Um, and then we have trays, and we drain when we feed. So like, and we plant have plant. a we have a three uh, three food three food step system. So it's a lot of people get blown away with that. My brother is really the master grower behind it all, but um, so I don't know exactly, but I know that we use three a three part system and. She produces beautiful baby plants. <laughs>
2: Good. That sounds great. Steve, did you get your internet working over there yet? oh I caught him taking a hit, I think. I
0: think it's working.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I sounds a lot Do we go
0: with allegedly? <laughs>
1: How
0: about what the you off is that any better it, it no? seems better now
2: than it did before yeah, yeah i can understand, like understand your questions
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know i've I'm, i've tried both neither one's cooperating it's been a crazy day um all right uh
1: <laughs> so we have
0: um so uh so what uh what is your favorite um i guess uh uh, product that you've had so far on the Oklahoma market?
1: Um, okay. So we'll go away. We'll step away from flour because I love flour, but that's, I think I would say I like dr- to drink my THC. Um, so I had around July 4th, I had a tree sap, uh, Do not recall the company that it was made by. It was a sample I got as a butt tender, which was nice. Um, But it was about, it was a 500 milligram tree sap, and I mixed it throughout the night. Um, And it was so good. And it was very effective, and I felt amazing all night. (laughs) Um, But honestly, then to like, to kind of just bounce off that. um, But honestly, the Y'all's lax Lemonade, I love, I I drank that with dinner one night and it was so good and like I said so effective but I just I like to drink I like anything to drink I love edibles as far as eating but I feel like when I drink it it always hits me when I eat my edibles it's kind of hit or miss
0: awesome well yeah definitely uh thanks for that yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, of course, uh,
1: I, I, the cannonchinos are delicious too, but I love the lax lemonade. <laughs>
0: uh, so, what about uh, your flower strains? Uh, what are your uh, maybe top three or top five that are you know you're seeing quite a bit in Oklahoma? I know personally, I found on the cultivation side, you know, your anything equatorial is going to do you know quite well in Oklahoma, uh, especially anything that's used to equatorial and humidity. So Jamaican stuff, uh, Southern African stuff. Um, you know, any anywhere that's going to have that kind of similar climate uh, and, and also those higher temperatures um, is going to do really well for the outdoor and even to a lesser extent greenhouse. You know, the, the angle of the sun is also similar. So you know, you're know you going to get similar expressions. I know that uh, Durban crosses and Swazi crosses across the board have been some of the best yielders and, and, and you know, yielding an extra 10 or 15 percent above, you know, what everything else is. In ter- and also just being generally re- more resistant to everything else out here uh what what have you found?
1: Um I will say it seems like the moisture here is a lot more than what I'm previously used to um but I will say I I've seen a lot of afghan crossbreeds of a lot of strands come in and hit the shelves um i don't I, probably like i kind of said earlier i don't a lot of people are throwing a lot of crazy names on the shelves right now um and i think that raises a lot of eyebrows when people are shopping just because of the name in itself they want to purchase um however personally um
0: uh, we we've talked about that before on the show uh, i'll never forget going to uh, up and looking at a seed list and the last one was cokehead slut and i'm just imagining some poor like high school college girl who's like 21 22 years old just out of college just gets their first like second or third day they're trying to sell cokehead slut to some little old lady to help her sleep like can you imagine right? how like, absolutely ridiculous that whole like equation is like it's just we You're gotta just like have a little bit better naming nomenclature when we're, we're naming these things
1: no, I completely agree. Cause you like feel kind of like an idiot sometimes when I'm trying to say these names and like you said like to an older lady and I'm just like, um, we're just gonna call it ATF. <laughs> we're not gonna say the actual name for it. <laughs> but um, wedding cake is just a huge one that I have seen. Um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, I feel like, especially with carts, um, carts are a huge thing. I feel like just because during the day, people don't want to have that actual smoke on them. Um, and those, so a lot of strains that I see, cause carts are a little more available strain wise than the, the actual flower itself. And um, mimosa and wedding cake and like a lemon pie, key lime pie is a really popular one. Um, Really popular. I was kind of a little blown away with the amount of interest that I saw in key lime pie. I don't know why, I just didn't expect that one to be a big one. Um, And then Jack Herrera, of course, is a really nice one. And then uh, the glueberry strain, I see that go around a lot in this community.
0: Sorry, I didn't realize my mic was on. I was trying to find my uh, <laughs> other bag of weed. Uh, I didn't realize I was making some noise. I do apologize. Uh, so what do you pop?
1: <laughs> um, right now I have pink cookies um, and it's a strand that we just uh, just chopped down. It's, she's still a little wet. I'm just testing her out. I left her out a couple of days um, to dry out a little bit, but I believe this is a cross between a wedding cake and oh my gosh I can't don't catch me lying on here so I don't I can't tell you what it is but I know it's a wedding cake with something else I maybe it was our dough our dosey dough but it's good it, she tastes real fruity um very nice like sweet smell sweet taste and then girl scout cookies that's another one that we're growing and I have some of that right now And Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I'll let you find your weed, though.
0: <laughs> I thought my mic was on. I've been talking to myself. Oh, um, no. um, so, what a uh, shit, lost my train of thought now. Um, but yes, the. Oh, yes. So cookies is very frosty, but uh, you never end up with like, or not never, but a lot of the cookie uh, finos don't end up having those huge nugs. They have lots of smaller ones and it just ends up being a pain in the ass to trim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's
1: the and one thing that's, I don't
0: like about cookies. You can get some nice hash off.
1: Have you noticed that with slurricane as well? Are you familiar with slurricane at all growing? Um,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I was growing slurricane in other uh, parts of Oklahoma. Um, slurricane definitely can be, it is a little bit smaller, but I, I we've managed to get slurricane to stack up. Slurricane definitely um, is more like wedding cake in that it wants to feed pretty heavy, pretty late on the potassium. Uh, it's going to keep feeding and feeding yeah. and feed pretty late. Um, you're going to have to push it kind of harder. We found that with the wedding cake and genome both of them um really wanted to get a little extra nutrients to really fill out right yeah so we ended up having to, to up the uh up the dosing on those guys a little bit um
1: to produce bigger yeah. nuts with it
0: so trying to juggle yep so so we've just i always went with a little we always just a little extra that. Also with the slurricane. Slurricane did pretty good out outdoors um it's pretty you know being a little bit more narrow leaf type varietal uh it does a little bit better in the heat here
1: yeah huh. so yeah we we only do hydro we're gonna we're gonna do our first outdoor this coming March so slur cane might be one that I could suggest because I, I don't I think it, I'm not sure what we're gonna what we're gonna do outside yet but Slurricane is one that we have and um I've talked with a couple other growers and it seems like it just is those really smaller nugs I haven't really been able to find anyone who says that they were able to produce bigger ones so but maybe that's why they just require more um like to be heavier and stuff
0: yeah like I said I mean they were definitely larger than wedding cake which is you know similar stuff a lot of the time not always of the cakes and some of the finas we pretty just the other one was more stretched out and more sativa-esque i guess for lack of a better explanation
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but uh yeah i'm hoping uh once you get the new spot to, to do a lot more uh a lot more uh mapping on a lot of that stuff but Awesome. So what are uh, some of the other, um, what what uh, cuts are you guys, is, is there any other cuts that you guys are growing over there at your grow?
1: Um, man, I know we have some more, but I just know our main ones are like our dosi or Gorilla Glue, Wedding Cake. I tried Bahama Mama. I tried a little bit of a, of a Bahama Mama today and it was really nice. It was had that really like tangy taste in it um i know we're pheno hunting a little you know we're just kind of seeing what pops best and you know how it sprouts and stuff with a couple different ones and then in the future going to try to kind of create our own cross and try to see what we can kind of come up with in the in the future a little I think you went mute again. I can't hear you.
0: Oh. What challenges <laughs> have you found uh, dealing with uh, the Oklahoma market? You know, what are, what are some of the, the hard parts of getting the grow up and running? And, you know, what are, what were some of the challenges that you guys ran into?
1: Um, honestly, um, just building the grow up from the beginning. I wasn't here for a lot of that, um, but... It was just, you know, getting those compliances, really having that done and having to wait for them to, to come out to do it or them coming out and say, telling us that, you know, we had to fix two small problems and then we'd pass, but then we'd have to get, you know, that electrician back out here or the plumber back out here, what have you to fix that. And then I mean, honestly, it's been tricky just doing the OMA reports and, you know, getting all of, you know, just making sure on the, the paperwork side of it, everything's in line, our receipts and, you know, everything for tax it's just, it's, I feel like a lot of people think that, you know, when you are going to have this grow, it's just going to be like, this fun, easy thing that, you know, you just go and grow marijuana, and then you're going to go sell it, and it's not, and it's definitely not when it's an illegal setting, and, you know, there's paperwork behind it, and there's, you know, the reporting that has to go with it, and, you know, little mistakes during the day. There was one day where we had our tanks I don't know what happened. They leaked and half of the shop was flooded. And it's just, you know, you kind of have to be ready to work at the drop of a hat, like nitty gritty grind if, you know, cause at any point something could go wrong. So you just kind of always have to, you're always on the job, you know, essentially it's just, it's a lot of hard work. And that's, I've, I know I've always known it, it was that it was hard work. I love that. I have my whole family, like it's my, we have a family grow, so it's my whole family, we all work as a team. Like I said, my brother's the the master grower. So he's the, really the one that his hands are in it. But um it's been a crazy journey from the beginning to now to see just the, you know, things that have happened, whether it be, you know, at the very beginning, you know, we had we had a halt on even getting to start our crop and you know, get the babies in there, get our mothers and get everything ready because you know, we had to fix X, Y, and Z on the electric or this or that. So it was just kind of everything was a stall, but then it kind of started coming and, you know, of course we still face challenges, but it's, we're learning as we go. (laughs) So it's less hectic as we go.
0: so you work in a dispensary yes um uh tell us more about the dispensary and then um uh, tell us a little bit about um you know kind of the the different demographics in oklahoma one of the things that i noticed in oklahoma that was kind of different was the average age of the patients was much higher than the other states that i had worked in and um you know the people were much more gravitating towards flour and edibles and and you know, at least in the beginning, the concentrate sales weren't quite as high. And then, you know, as it's matured, people have really gravitated towards them later on. But uh, uh, what have you seen?
1: Um, so being in a dispensary, the, I will say, uh, working during the day, working at night is 100% a different job in itself. So when you're there during the day, you know, we have vendors coming in. Sometimes we don't know that they're going to come. Sometimes we do know they're coming Um, at any given point. You know, I'll have four vendors walk in within an hour or, you know, spread out throughout the day, I'll have four walk in. Um, And so it's it's more of like the business side of it during the day, whereas at night, not really many vendors are going to be coming in. It's going to be more of that, you know, pre-dinner after dinner crowd coming in it's more of like you're actually like um, it's similar to being a bartender is how I kind of honestly like to look at it because you do have your regulars that come in you have your people who come in and they tell you all about their day or you know they they ask for your advice like you really grow a connection to these people and like you really get to know them Um, so that's been really cool Um, and then as far as the demographic kind of like I was saying earlier 85%, I would say, of my patients that come in are there for medicinal reasons. Um, And with that being said, they're more of an older crowd as far as, you know, they're not going to be like these college kids coming in just looking to, like, get the best weed to get high or whatever. You know, there are patients coming in who are really looking for, you know, maybe a one-to-one gummy or Um, you know, a specific flower that has a certain terpene that's going to help them, you know, relax and, or they have no idea about any of that. And then I get to be the person to tell them about it, you know, about the THC content or terpenes or, you know, this new cool product that we have that they've never seen before, you know, whether it be a transdermal patch or, you know, the new drops that we have in store. So, um it's that's been really cool and then as far as concentrates uh or just really what's selling the most I would definitely say (laughs) pre-rolls so a flower essentially but pre-rolls are the one thing that we I, I mean i I, we're constantly buying, we're constantly buying pre-rolls, constantly selling them first, first patients in the door, last patients in the door. They're just, and then if somebody comes in to buy something other than, you know, they don't come in for a pre-roll, they're going to leave with a pre-roll. So it's like, whether you come in for flour, you're coming in for edibles, you're coming in for concentrate, they're going to grab that pre-roll, you know, whether to smoke it on their way home or is just, just to have for conveniency cuz that's what i see a lot is a lot of people don't know how to roll or they don't want to roll you know mm-hmm. and so i mean and that's
2: a uh, that's really nothing new either even even before we had dispensaries you could always sell pre rolls at concerts at shows yeah. <laughs> at the fair in the parking lot, you know, like that's true. Alleg- always, allegedly, allegedly, so allegedly. Always. Yeah, oh, yeah, fuck them. yeah. You could, I mean, ask anybody who moved anything before it was legal, and I think they would allegedly tell you that if rent had to get paid, pre rolls were getting rolled. I mean, <laughs> there, there just always have been that steady, in my opinion. You go, especially, uh, you know, if you got hair like Steve's. You can really go into a concert fully loaded and (laughs) come out fully loaded. Just tuck them in. (laughs) Yeah, because I just
1: didn't. Yeah, I didn't call them like pre rolls. I guess back then I would just call them like hooters or joints or you know.
2: (laughs) That's what they were though. You yeah, a bunch of them, and you took them to the concert allegedly.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But
2: (laughs) But concentrates
1: do get sold like that's another, that's a, that's a huge, I mean, if that wasn't something that was a big seller, maybe when the, the, we first, you know, became medicinal, that is, there's a whole market of concentrate smokers now. And they, I have people who only buy concentrates and Mm. not no flour. No, I mean, no edibles, just concentrates.
2: I like a buffet. I've got like three kinds of oil and Double different kinds of flower you know I like to switch it up
1: same I have like my blunt bong <laughs> loaded my rig's over there got yeah. gas mask <laughs> in the <laughs> other got the dab rig oh man.
2: <clears throat> got the papers
1: Sounds better than mine
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got my uh and
1: he audio. look yeah let's
2: <laughs> and then uh got my my seeds on top there. Nice. Stash away somewhere. Nice. And uh, right now I'm smoking on some uh, yeah. snowman. Oh, yeah, there you go.
0: And. Uh, I was just pack. Is that of oh, Fresh. Fresh.
1: Fresh, oh, lightly
0: yum. pressed bubble. Nice.
2: Yum, yum, yum. Yes. I actually, really like baking. Uh, <laughs> flour is one of my, one of my go-tos, especially since you know I like consuming my own flour, and I'm too lazy to, like, put together an extract system or something like that. I even have like four or five different friends that do extracts and I still I'm too lazy just to take it over to them and be like, here, run it. Um, So I do, I like smoking flour mostly for the simplicity, but also for the experience, if you like, is different. Like I didn't have, I didn't have a ton of flour for a while, but I had a bunch of concentrates. So I was smoking a bunch of concentrates for a while and then switched back to flour and was like, you know, it's definitely a different experience, especially vaping, like out of this you can vape at pretty high temperatures without it combusting. And it's kind of an experience too. So uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out the Dr. Dabber switch, uh, it's pretty cool. You can do uh, concentrates or flour out of it. It's an induction induction vaporizer. Okay, I've heard
1: of it. I heard that it was one of the better ones to go with.
2: Um, Before this, I had a Buddha vape that I hooked up to a bomb so that I could take long hits with it. And uh, I used that for like five years. Oh, wow. And I had a dab rig set up for that too, so you could do dabs or flour out of it. But it started, after using it for so long, it just started not being as efficient. Um, like I kept having to turn it up higher and higher to get it, the temperature up high enough. So the, the heating element was just going out. Yeah. So that's when I, I found out about this one. And it, it's just, um, it's really cool because, it's uh because it's induction, like right now it's completely cool. There's no, like you can touch it and you know, nothing happens. Oh, yes. so it'll heat up in just a couple of seconds and be uh up uh, high enough to dab off of. Um, you can cold load it. Um, and then as far as vaping flour goes, it, it comes with a different bowl and it has like a cover on it. That you put over the top of it. So it's like, it's almost like a little Dutch oven that you <laughs> vape your flour out of. And uh, so it keeps it from combusting so you can, you can turn the temperature up and get some of those uh, flavors that you don't, I didn't normally get out of lower temp, or you can do super low temp if you want to, which I I also enjoy, but um, it's just uh, cool technology, way cooler than, you know, (laughs) the little brass pipes we used to hit in high school and shit like
1: that. Yeah, no, I haven't um, vaped flour in a long time. (laughs) it's It's been a really long time i almost forgot about that method which sounds terrible (laughs) but it's been so long
2: (laughs) but uh, you know okay yeah go ahead
1: well i was just gonna say so like because you were talking about concentrates. so when you smoke concentrates do you feel like it lasts as long as when you smoke flour like you're high
2: Uh, well, maybe I'm a bad person to ask because I just pretty much smoke nonstop. So,
1: me too. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like I'm a Um, fair person to ask.
2: I mean, I think if I smoke joints all the time, I would be rolling joints all the time too. You know. So, I think it's more my tolerance level. It has more to do for me, like how if I have multiple kinds, if I have multiple strains that I can smoke on, then I feel like if I smoke the same thing over and over again for too long, then eventually you know, I'll, you stop. I'll, start, I'll have to start smoking more and more and more often.
1: Yeah. So
2: that's why I like having a lot of different kinds, which sounds like such a weed snobby thing to say, but yeah. <laughs> it's true. Maybe. I I'm... mean,
1: same. <laughs> Honestly, we have, I have a lot of, I have like a drawer and it has, they usually have like four concentrates at a time, like four different concentrates at a time and then I just always have flour I don't know I like to smoke blunts though I like just like a like I think that actual smoke sesh is what I enjoy you know like I love like what I really like to do is roll a blunt take a fat ass dab hit and then smoke my blunt (laughs) like that's my favorite thing to do
2: <laughs> yeah, or I'll, I'll dab out first and then out. So, and then while I'm rolling, you know, I'll, I'll be good. Um, yeah.
1: So, I'll dab
2: out and then roll one up or roll two up. Um, I like smoking joints if I'm like watching TV or something. I don't want to like always be packing a bowl or something like that. So, yeah, I switch it up for Same. sure. And then the, the dabs are what's really nice in, in this, like concentrates. I can cold load a big fat bowl. And I can walk around and hit it for like, you know, mm-hmm. an hour Okay. you don't even have to reload it just because it, it heats up as long as you hit it. And then it, it immediately cools off. It doesn't stay heated up. So it's not, so like it's not
1: wasting you know, any of it.
2: You don't waste any of it. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> okay. See, okay. I need to look more into the Dr. Dabber because I honestly have looked into the Puffco and I was going to buy one. But then I was reading a little bit more about how like you're going to have to change like the atomizer and the, the, it just, it get, the upkeep of it is really more costly than I, I would like. So <laughs> I was thinking about trying to, I might have to look into this Dr. Dabber then.
2: Yeah, I bought mine on sale, you know, like the, it, I think it was like the after Thanksgiving sale or something like that. You, you know, they're always having a sale. Yeah. But, um. And I think it was like three twenty nine, and then I bought um this extra. It's like an upgraded cap for it. It was like another sixty or seventy bucks or something like that. Yeah, that's not so, bad. And it, so it's really not bad because you can do both. You know, you can vape flour or concentrate yeah. out of it. It's pretty um, versatile, and you can um you know unplug it and walk around and you know hit it uh, on high temp. You can use it about half a day. On low temp, you can go all day. Without having to charge it, so it it'll oh, go quite nice. a while. steve got to try it; he liked it.
1: You can't uh, taste the f- like the flour when you're hitting the concentrates.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> I do usually clean it in between. Okay, if, yeah. Like, if you have a really clean concentrate, you won't want to smoke your concentrate. Because it'll out. yeah, that smell. Okay. I mean, you you can you'll still get
0: high, but it'll just taste. Yeah, light. yeah. You'll yeah, be able yeah. to taste it, and
2: if you've got a really clean concentrate, you want to
0: you know generally yeah, that, of course so that's something that's um, super important if you're if you're newer to smoking cannabis you want a separate piece for your concentrates that you're just using for concentrates
1: yeah
0: separate or, piece or
2: for clean cannabis. in between yeah and yeah. so even yeah. this has a different bowl
0: and it, you don't even use the same yeah. bowl no, i want. like to also use i like to also use these which is an ash oh damn maybe i can put something behind it to make it work um Oh, that just made it worse. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, it's a it's a uh, ash catcher. There we go. Yeah. On my it works. No. Okay. Uh, okay. We go. Ash oh yeah.
1: Catcher.
0: So this basically catches all the ash in the and uh, the base of that, so that it doesn't go into the main bong. I have this one of those. To clean, you can just take the top stem out and, and uh, clean it real easy. And then you put that on the front of your bong, and then when you're smoking flour, you know you get way less junk in your flower especially if you have a a more expensive or intricate piece that's kind of a pain in the ass to clean um you know doing one of those or you know if it's a really intricate piece doing one that even has two ash catchers uh, and daisy chain can really help you know just prevent anything from getting up into that more delicate glassware you know that can be much much more difficult to get the stuff out of later on
2: that's why I originally went to vaping was i got tired of cleaning my bong all the time because i have of pretty bad mold allergy. So anytime my bomb would get too dirty for too long, like as soon as it started even growing a little bit of stuff, I would just, you know, like the worst chronic cough you can imagine. And you know, like oh. it, it was pretty bad. So that's why I I switched and then um so uh it got a lot better then but it wasn't until I started smoking mullen in my joints pretty regularly. Um and uh that it started getting a lot better and it's it's really really helped me a lot so if uh you guys have been I need to get some them. of that you can find it most places I mean luckily here it grows in my front yard so and I
1: heard that thing. I heard that it grows pretty wildly here um I have asthma um and I have really bad allergies and I was I've been talking a lot about mullein lately and i You just brought it up again, so now I'm like, now I have to, now I have to get it. Yeah. Just mix it in your joints.
0: It's really that easy. uh, uh, If you're going to the thing on Saturday, we'll bring you some.
1: Okay. Well, today's my last technically, like, COVID quarantine, so.
2: Yeah.
1: We'll see. (laughs) I might just, I might have to, to keep it in the house just to make sure I'm still. No,
0: it's it's a responsible thing. That's, that's good. Yeah.
1: But I, I I am sad to miss it cuz I've been to all of them.
0: We can always we can always drive by and throw it at you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to catch it.
0: <laughs> no, but we've had uh we've had a couple of the friends of ours that I, have either gotten covid or um, have been exposed and I know that we've switched here at the house to just smoking um mulling, like a little bit every time we smoke flower any type of flour. We're just putting a yeah. little bit in there just to make sure that we have an antibiotic um, and, 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 you know, just to help. And it's not going to do anything for the virus, but at least help with uh, anything else that it might, you know, secondarily. Yeah. You. So
1: no, for sure. Keeping extra definitely makes it easier
0: to breathe and, and everything else. So uh, especially if someone does a deep dab uh, and it's just coughing, can't stop coughing, or took a big, big bong rip, can't stop coughing or they're coughing really hard and deep and just give them a tell them to smoke and they'll be like no that's crazy but trust you know it does work it'll immediately stop your coughing like instant within five seconds you'll stop coughing it's really really good stuff
1: yeah and i've heard that so i need to
0: yeah it's a bronchodilator and an antibiotic it's one of the few things that the native americans had to use um uh, to fight pneumonia so, they'd actually take the bunch of the leaves, uh, they'd get into a tent and they put them onto the fire inside the tent and, and smoke themselves out that way and, and breathe in the mullein smoke and then and treat themselves that way. Now, well, that's, that's a, literally how,
2: well, I mean, not exactly, but a more modified version that my native aunties.
0: He can uh, tell you. Yeah, here, I'll let him tell you his version.
2: Yeah. So they, I mean, the much easier, obviously it was traditionally done in something like a makeshift sweat lodge that, you know, usually you built on like the edge of the river or in the preferably on an island in the, in the middle of the river. If you want to get like real traditional. Um, but obviously modified versions, you basically just need to figure out a way to, to boil it. You can do the same thing with garlic, um, uh, oregano, you know, pretty much. Uh, rosemary, thyme, and you can boil them um, and get them steaming uh, and then inhale the steam. So a bit, you know, just put a towel over your head and inhale it. And that's how I was using mullen and all those different things before. And um, it's kind of the same thing as you. People had mentioned it over and over again. And then when Steve was here, we were teaching the class. He was like, yeah, you got to try smoking some. And so I was like, all right, fine. Okay, I'll try it. And so, um, and that I noticed it started helping. And then I I started talking to one of my aunts again, and they're like, "Yeah, but you need to do it like regularly, like you would take antibiotics for like two weeks." So uh, ever since then, I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'll just start adding a little bit to my joints all the time." And honestly, my my respiratory system has been much better ever since then.
0: I've had I've had multiple friends that had or coworkers that had chronic bronchitis. Uh, you know they were had bronchitis year after year after year every every fall or winter especially smokers you know uh, that you know vivo smoke tobacco you know kind of gets just they never actually fully get over the infection and then it just kind of mostly goes away and then when the fall comes back so uh, I actually had a gentleman I was working with who is a very uh, devout um, man of the the book uh, and uh, he uh, uh, never you know doesn't didn't drink didn't smoke didn't didn't you know very anti drug. And I told him, look, like you've had this chronic bronchitis. Like we've gone out and I've taught you a bunch about herbalism and you've seen me like what I've done and, and me heal other people with other herbs. Like, do you trust me? I was like, here, I'm going to go buy you a clean little glass pipe and you're just going to smoke this before you come to work. You're going to take a couple puffs of it at lunch. You're going to puff it before you go when you get home and you're going to puff it again, like, you know, before you go to bed. And he got rid of his chronic bronchitis that he had had for seven years. And it, it didn't come back the three years we worked together. So, um, you know, their wow. there, there stuff works. I mean, it works really well. I know. I anytime I feel like I'm starting to get a chest cold at all in the winter time, immediately just start smoking it pretty heavy, and it just kind of stops it from progressing into anything kind of heavy. But if someone says like, you can use it, and again, <laughs> not medical advice, but I have, you know. You, you there there is definitely uh traditionally and Native Americans have used it for treating pneumonia and you know bronchitis and a whole wide range of um uh, different uh uh you know yeah ton of ton bronchitis. of different stuff for bandages.
2: For, it, it was you know probably yeah. the main way that wounds were
0: bandaged. So uh, it's definitely something you could you can eat the roots as a last resort um, herb just as a starch that you can find at just about any time the, the second year plants, you can help you find the first year plants that are nearby because uh, they usually stick out of the snow. Um, the stalks can be used as uh, candle wicks uh, and dipped in beeswax and make a really good wick for candles. Um, the leaves are also good for um, making salves as well as the buds are good for making salves that'll treat, mer- you know, all different types of nasty infections.
2: You can actually really roll good skin cream. roll joints or, or blunts or whatever you want to call them, splits with the the leaves. Uh, you can look on one of the one of our podcast episodes. I forget which one now, and I know there's you like, rolled one, but uh, I I rolled one live on the show in smoke. Oh. So. <clears throat> Um, You can check that out, but it, like here I grow, like they, I had one that was probably 14 feet tall and the leaves were huge. And I rolled a, a one that was like this long wow. off of it, but you, it, you can literally replace rolling papers all together and, wow. you know, treat whatever, you know, improve your respiratory system.
1: Yeah. So my sister, I'm, I'm thinking honestly, that she might have chronic bronchitis because the last two years I mean she's gotten she's gotten it more if I if I actually sit down and think about it it's probably been but the last two years it's been bad where like the first the year before this past year she passed out in my arms um and then this year she I mean she got so sick she went and got tested for COVID and she got negative so I think that that's what it was but and you know she smokes like leaves like like real leaf harsh and i'm wondering if she has that so i should maybe get her some of that mullein and especially if you can use the leaf because i wonder if she could just completely replace that
0: you can buy you can get like a pound of it on amazon for like 12 dollars. it's not not expensive at all oh wow
1: okay i might have to get on there right when we get Um, off
0: like i said or like like uh, he's saying you can grow it uh, you know, just harvest it from the bottom up and just you know leave the top three quarters of the plant always. And uh, you can harvest it the whole summer and pick a few leaves a week to dry and utilize whenever you need. and and um, and then on the second year, you take the buds and you cut them off, and you stick them in your mason jars and you steep them in uh, the easiest method I've found, uh, if you're coconut friendly, um, put them in coconut oil you can also use sunflower oil if you don't want to deal with that uh, and then you blend uh, steep them in that for six months to a year and then take that and mix it with coconut oil or butter uh, and then make mic- or mix that with like um, you know some other thicker um, cream uh, and then work with it that way and that makes it an incredibly powerful salve that you can utilize uh, especially yeah. if you're going to homestead or Um, you know, uh, make your own medicine, it's a really, really good thing for healing wounds and stuff like that.
1: Wow. Dang, that's interesting. And that's really neat, because it, it, I mean, if you have to keep it in the mason jar with the oil for six months to a year, you, that's, it. that's something really neat. I think I might try to do that, because I have a daughter, and that would just be cool to show her how we can make our own medicine, and because, you know, she does get to see The grow and stuff like that so she does know we're you know this is medicine and stuff but it would be cool to show her another side of it too you know plus the buds look similar (laughs) (laughs) takes takes two
0: years to get to to buds so although uh, maybe if we did some hormonal stuff with it uh, like we do for cannabis maybe we could speed it up who knows
1: yeah i just got this um this book called cannabis pharmacy and it's a really really interesting book
2: like, the
1: super... um it is by michael Bax, um jack d McHugh, and then uh he has he he references a lot of other books i actually was reading this last night and got another one it's a cannabis encyclopedia But this one here, um, I mean, it tells you, it talks about everything from cannabis as a medicine, the history of it, um, it, the breakdown of, I mean, I learned so much. I didn't, I learned, and this might, this is something I just didn't know. So y'all might already know this. And then I'm just like, oh, let me catch up. But um, I didn't know that there wasn't seedless marijuana in the United States until the 70s. Up until then, there was seeds. It was just seed, seedy shit everywhere, apparently. Um, and then in the 70s, that was the first time that they had brought over completely seedless. And then, the, you know, that's where they came, where Sensimela came from. I believe it was India. And then they brought it over to the U.S. Um, and... And that time it stated that you could buy an ounce for $200, which would be equivalent to buying an ounce for $900 today. I was like, wow, So just like little interesting facts. And I mean, I haven't even really dove into it, but I mean, it talks about how there's a huge controversy over whether, you know, we, uh, cannabis is a two species, meaning sativa indica or a one, a one species with two subspecies. And it really was claiming it to be an all around sativa plant with terpenes so high that it, that's what's giving off that in the, the indica effects. And we're basically saying like indica is more of the drug founding side of it because it is more of that psychoactive where you're going to feel it more, whereas sativa is more of that, uh, you don't really, you know, it's more of that medicinal so it's been an interesting read. I can't wait to just dive more into it, honestly.
0: Awesome. It sounds like a good book. I know we've, Marty and I both are, are real big on that. So what, um, uh, is there anything else you'd like people to know about the Oklahoma market? Um,
1: um, I, I think that it's just, it, there's, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot in the Oklahoma market. I, I think rather than maybe wanting anybody to know I just would like to say like there's a piece of pie for everybody. I wish that I could see more peace in this community. Um, it's very cutthroat and I was not expecting that being a, being cannabis honestly but um, at the end of the day I guess you know it's a business just like every, you know everywhere else but it would be nice to see just the community come together more. That's what I would like, honestly.
0: So, actually, that's an interesting topic that you bring up. Is that uh, why don't you tell people about, you know, a lot of people don't realize Oklahoma has some of the most liberal usage laws of anywhere in the, on the country. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, I know we have a hair salon, barbershop, nail salon, bars. bars um there's a really cool music venue that we go to all the time that we will we'll be at this weekend uh Bubba's Brew house down there mm-hmm. in Durant. um that'll be cool uh uh what else uh all different types of places that that more, just where people would normally go and have services done if they have to be there a while um you know a lot of these places are opening up smoking versions and you, you're not seeing that anywhere else certainly not in Oregon California or Washington certainly oh, no. not, not with the openness at the very least uh and then the fact that a lot of bars have, you know, different cannabis nights and and seeing brands and, and dispensaries, you know, rep their brands at these different uh music events is uh, you know, really cool to uh it's cool to see and just something that you you don't see in these other states. So, you know, and I've I've traveled quite a bit and, and you know, the only place I think I've seen anything like that was Vancouver. Yeah be honest with you in North America at least yeah
1: because I haven't now like now that you say that really I I haven't seen any of that at all and I know Oklahoma you know whether it's here in Durant or up in the city there there's kind of always some type of event circulating where you know a can whether it's you know similar to the um, like Saturday nights event where you know Bubba's brew house where it's a An event for cannabis users and open to the public or just cardholder events but i've i have not heard of anywhere else doing events like that uh, in any other states just oklahoma and it's been it's been a lot of fun i do enjoy um having a whole community to hang out with at night you know like instead of that bar scene you know which nothing's wrong with the bar scene you know i ain't hating on my bar people but you know as a cannabis user primarily only i it's, (laughs) it's 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 been fun you know to go to like these events and be just surrounded by other people who have the same interest and you just find yourself talking amongst you know all these other cannabis connoisseurs you know who can teach you new things or you teach them new things or it's just it's I think just as in as, as a legal aspect alone it's been it's been really cool it's there's a whole community out there for you know cannabis users and I'm glad that the stigma is getting broken less and less every year
2: I agree yeah I can't wait till we can have cannabis bars because I think mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous that I don't even want to call them a bar. Yeah. I just want to be able to smoke weed wherever we want to hang out, you know, like they have a couple in
0: Oregon, there's annoyed. a few in Oregon. The, the Not public nearly public enough. Clubs. No, yeah. but, but they, they do have a, at least those a lounges at least, but nothing like where they're like openly allowing pretty much any business that wants to do it and just declare that you have to, you know, because they have, you know, it's just a different kind of, uh, uh, of market here. and, you know it's it's almost like the 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 stoners have taken over in a way it's kind of funny
1: yeah
2: <laughs> or logic has taken over like i think it's pretty easy actually i think that like you could literally say if you can smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol there i should be able to smoke weed there yeah
1: yep.
2: and that's it
1: I, yeah <laughs> that i did go simple. to i um i think it was 2011 so i mean it was a while ago but i went to um California and it was, they were still medicinal there at that time, but there was a Kush bar and mind you, it was like a very sneaky hallway and like these stairs and, you know, top secret, but there was a hallway and you went in, you could either go into the left or the right. And the left side was the dispensary, but you also could smoke and it overlooked Muscle beach. And then on the other side was the Kush bar. And it was, um, it was really when it was just like flour and hash, those were like the two things that you could buy. And it was, you told, you know, you got to tell the bartender what bong you chose. She got it down for you. She put the hash in it. She lit it for you. You bought it by the gram and it was a bar setting. You hit the bong and then you could, you know, overlook Muscle Beach and hang out. And I don't think it was open for very long, but it was cool while it lasted.
2: (laughs) Right. And I don't understand, you know, like, again, if you can smoke a cigarette or have a drink there. You should be able to smoke cannabis there, especially medical patients. For I say, agree. Like, you want to like make them drive home just so they can take their medicine. That's stupid,
1: exactly. In my opinion. Yeah.
2: So, and it's like, you do see some flexibility, like, uh, you know, there's not that many companies left in Oregon that will drug test for cannabis. And even if they do, you have every right to ask them to not. Yeah. You know, you can say like, Hey, you know, this is legal. What, what's right. The, this is my
1: medicine. You
2: know, what's And and some of them, I, I had one company that was like, you know what? Okay. We'll make an exception. Or they actually said they would change, uh, you know, cause they wanted me to do it work for them. <clears throat> and so, you know, I was basically like, well, if you drug test me, you know, I'm going to be like going for the high score. Um, <laughs> there's just no, you know, there's no point in testing me um, if that's going to be the case. And so they, they didn't say anything for like a week. And then they came back later and were like, well, we we've updated it. We've decided to just drop cannabis off of our drug use policy. And so
1: nice yeah, I
2: worked for them for a while. And, um, so it, it's definitely, you can see the culture changing to a more logical arrangement, in my opinion, like it just makes more sense. Like, obviously nobody is testing to see if you smoke, or if you drink alcohol the night before or right, let people exactly. have cigarettes on their break or you know, drink coffee or all you know, like <clears throat> it's just none of your business. Let me do my job. And if I do yeah. my job, then it's not a problem. And it wasn't, it never was. Never had And been. that
1: yeah. And that's how I feel too. If you can if you go to work and you do what you're supposed to do, then it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter what you do outside of work
2: right i, I can see you, maybe like operating heavy equipment or you know yeah, with the exception of course yeah obviously that but you know if you're a receptionist um, you know or you're uh you know even just a business person uh, definitely if you're working in a dispensary right i mean right. for a while you couldn't consume any Any medicine at a dispensary or a cannabis grow in Oregon, which was ridiculous. Yeah, it didn't last very long, obviously. I know. I know dispensaries.
0: There's a dispensary out here I know that has a no drug policy, and they're they don't let their employees smoke, and it's like, how do you expect to sell anything? I
1: I know a I know a dispensary out here as well. I don't know if it it might be the same one, but yeah, I know. Then they're not allowed to be medicated at work and things like that. And exactly how am I supposed to sell product if I can't consume the product? But even going back to just uh, you saying like the Oregon was kind of opening up um, uh, drug testing and then flipping it back to the Oklahoma question, there are still a lot of businesses that won't allow you to have your medical card um, if you work out here. And so I think, you know, hopefully with, you know, within the next couple of years, those changes can be made to where no one is to go without if, you know, if they are wanting to get that medical card. But there's a couple of places, if you even tell them like that you applied for your card, they'll tell you, well, you can come back and apply here in two years when your card expires, which I think is a little ridiculous.
2: Yeah. I mean, that sounds really ridiculous to me. Um, Yeah, you know, I just think that once it becomes legal, they, you know, there's, can't, can't really say too much about it, in my opinion. So, yeah. I mean, obviously that only accounts for so much, but, um, morally, I don't think that, uh, you know, if you're fine with someone going home and, you know, getting plastered on scotch, <laughs> then, and coming to work the next day. And as long as they show up and do their work and you're fine with it, then, you know, really the same thing should apply to cannabis. So, exactly. um, okay. Yeah. So, you I, I would love to see, you know, it, it go, and I'm sure it will. I think Oklahoma might have a little farther to go before the corporate in business world start to embrace it over mm-hmm. here. You know, we're on the West coast. It's already, you know, it's kind of had a, a, a culture just because of its existence for so long. Whereas right. like Steve was saying, the, the stoners are sort of taking over there, which is great. The more, I think people get exposed to cannabis culture, the less it scares anyone. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, The fact that it exists in Oklahoma and, you know, people will start getting used to it and grandmas will start using it for their arthritis and, you know, like uh, all these different uh, benefits will come in and it won't just be the devil's lettuce anymore. And they, you know, they won't have any of those experiences that, uh, you know, everyone has been telling them they're going to have with all these crazy drug users. Um, when when those things don't happen and all these other cool things do happen eventually that's what changes the tide in my opinion old ladies getting out and (laughs) and just using it to help themselves feel better or feel good is always you know it's great PR stuff you know we've talked about it before um it's a great way to get access to um to really just reach out in a community that that you're trying to tap into um so having those lotions and topicals and different things for a dispensary can be a great draw because then once they're there, you can talk to them about, you know, other products and different stuff. And then, you know, they talk about it at the dinner table. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. the ones that aren't afraid to be like, guess what I did today? You know what I mean? So I, I think they're a, a great uh, tool to use in, you um, just making inroads in communities that have been so indoctrinated against cannabis for so long.
1: I agree. And I've even kind of seen that just in, for the sense of them not wanting to smell like it. Mm -hmm. So they want the tincture or the topical or the, you know, the bath bomb or any, any other way to get it where there it doesn't, there's no smell they're well, not letting off, you know, that smoke. So uh, yeah, I agree with you there They're like, sure. "Oh,
2: this just smells like lavender," and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> that, that's lavender. That's what it is." Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> with, with
2: other other cannabinoids in it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, "Yep, that's because it's lavender."
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, they just have
2: those really honest connecting moments, and I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. times we're not, you know, not afraid or intimidated by yeah. having those reactions. So it's always fun. I know. Uh, whenever Steve and I do the in-person class, we like to take the students down to the dispensary who've never, because a lot of times they come in from out of town. And so uh, there's always people that have never been to a dispensary. And so it's really fun to take them down there and, and you know, have them look at all the different stuff, like the things you don't even know, know yeah. before you go into a dispensary. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And then to have like a whole group of people come through, because then the dispensary people, they get kind of into it. You know, yeah. there's so many people literally, they're like, oh, look at this. And, oh. yeah. You know, it's kind of like taking a kid to the candy
0: store for the first well, time. I still think Elaine Ingham takes the cake for best uh, new trip to the, the dispensary. To I missed that go. one. That, <laughs> so that would have been fun. Was that?
2: that must no, be and an the Indian best guy. was,
0: the best was when the bud tender asked her if she grew. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: <The> kid. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs>
2: Do you even know?
0: anyways it was just one of those really funny moments anyways so uh oh, there's something else i was gonna ask and i totally lost my train of thought i'll think of it
2: i like your shirt Hemp plants matter.
0: yeah hemp lives matter and it's yeah. made of hemp it's super soft
1: nice it's
0: super soft hemp i like it yes so um hopefully uh now that we got rid of the uh tangerine tyrant we can uh get uh, (laughs) some legalization passed and uh you know i don't know what it's going to look like Uh, you know with with kamala and them i really have have my doubts that we're going to get a a decent federal legalization bill but we'll see what happens i did see that in um, try to change
2: that too but i don't know
0: we didn't talk about it the new hemp rules looks like they're going to bump it to to half of half a percentage and and then one percent for negligence so you know that's not too bad it's I haven't actually, gone in the, the right whole. direction at
2: least I mean I still think they you know shouldn't shouldn't be any shouldn't just, oh it yeah could all be <laughs> yeah you
0: know like a tomato basically um, I just just allow it to be whatever and then classify it as you know if it's below this then it's classified as a grade hemp if it's below point three and then it's b grade if it's up to point five and c grade if it's up you know what I mean like just come up with a grading system for remediation and the way you go you know I mean, this isn't difficult we do this with tons of other crops for essential oil extraction and things and, you know this isn't any different we're just we got to stop treating it like it's some kind of crazy toxic chemical yeah yeah so oh. like it's some not... of the destruction rules are just absolutely ridiculous that's one of the newest ones that they've uh, they've been pulling so
2: <sighs> got to secure your compost piles
0: oh yes yeah. <laughs> <sure they're> not <laughs> digging <laughs> out dirty <laughs> weed three right. dog, three attack dogs per pallet sized stack of compost <sighs> live, live stream feed to the state live stream feed laser sensors
2: <laughs> don't let them get the compost
0: <laughs> literally shitty weed man <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> we had a uh, yeah <laughs> wild harvested uh i tell you wild harvest your root aphids here in the south you know <laughs> seriously I like there, I was like... there, there is someone suggesting today that you take soil from a shallow mudded area um and and, and put it in your system that's a really good way to get uh lily aphids uh, especially if you're in the South, they have these things called lily aphids. Uh, they are related to rice root aphids and the they'll lay eggs in that mud. And it's a great way to introduce them to your grow. And they are rough to get rid of. Um, you have to end up doing alternating like Monday, Wednesday, Friday with um, insect sprays, Bateria, uh, Averia basiana, Isofuma, fuma Isufuma fumasuria. And um, what's the third one that we put in the rotation? There's three of them. I forget. Anyways, it's in the class. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, we do a rotation of those, and then we do a, a weekly release of uh, rove beetles to wipe them out. But you have to do that for you know a good two or three months before you can guarantee you're rid of them. But you know you, you have to be careful. Like when we do our, our collections, be it IMO in a box, you know you can see that it's clean, and you can see that it's right. When we do it with uh, aquatics. Uh, we never put it directly onto the bottom because we don't want to pull up any of those anaerobic fungi. and so there's some nastier critters. Um, you don't want to pull in things like caddisfly larvae or dragonfly larvae, as much as I love, dragonflies, I'd rather they stay in the pond. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and some of the other things that could end up being a problem for your system. Um, You could also pull in snail eggs, uh, which could then, you know, potentially infect your stuff with schistomiasis and a whole bunch of other things. So it's just, you got, that's why you want to do your collections from the water column from moving bodies of water. Um, That's where you're going to get your seed microbes that are blowing off of other stuff or get them from the live plant tissue from live aquatic plants, because that's going to have your endophytes. Remember that uh, aquatic plants actually can exchange um, their, their, um, they have significantly more endophytes in their living tissue of their leaves than, than terrestrial plants do because they can actually do mineral exchange uh, through their leaf tissue significantly more than, than terrestrial plants. You know, they're, they're all too happy to absorb minerals through their leaf tissue. So, um, you know, they have tons of endophytes that, um, you know, while won't directly benefit your, your uh, plants always, some of them will. Uh, And you can take those, and and the main benefit to them is taking them and utilizing them, especially um, if you're going to make a plant food, you know, you can utilize them the same way you would kelp, especially if you're doing ferments, they're wonderful. Um, But you you can do IMO collections and take the, the microbes that live on the surfaces of the leaves, the ectophytes, and some of those actually will, I have found under the microscope, will survive for quite an extensive time. Uh, in the terrestrial environment just fine, as long as it's kept you know, at a decent moisture rate. So um, you'll get you know, much more beneficial microbes. And especially when we're looking at mineralization, we, we use those microbes versus um, some of the other ones. We get you know, better mineralization for our fish waste when we're brewing our fish waste with our compost teas. Um, in terms of parts per million of various minerals, potassium, phosphorus, and other things, you know, if you're going to capture your local mineralizing microbes, that's how you do it. Um, we especially love to do this when we're talking about cold water systems. We have people that are in the mountains, people wanting to run in the 50s and 60s, people that are trying to save money on power, especially people at high altitude and they're doing, doing trout. Anyone that's looking to do trout or salmon, if you're in Colorado, I highly recommend um, getting into um, uh, you know, then that might be a good time to actually take and get some, again, from a fast moving stream, some, some a gravel sample or something like that in order to introduce, uh, but I would put it again in like a strained sock that I can pull out and then put that maybe like a tea bag underneath where my my media beds would be or where my mineralization tank would be that can colonize that out. And you'll get those cold, mainly for those cold water nitrifying bacteria that you simply aren't going to buy in a bottle at the store. You know, stability and, and Tetra and all these other beneficial microbes don't have um, you know they're not really made for cold water they don't replicate very fast and you actually can see how nitrates will start to to crash or i'm mean, not cr- uh, nit- nitrate starts to, to spike because you're not getting that um, conversion to nitrate so um uh, with the colder water so you can actually utilize colder water uh, collections but if you actually do want to collect this and we're going to do a whole episode on um, uh here soon uh, uh, uh on this um uh, and i think you guys are going to like it Uh, on um aquatic ipm is doing either a rice collection in a sack and then again keeping it just off the bottom um uh, and then just only cooking it long enough to sterilize it uh, and then putting it in a filter sock like you would um uh, like a paint strainer or pantyhose or something like that in order to keep the the main critters off of it you will get crayfish and stuff that'll try to cut their way in there so try to use something a little bit thicker uh, or put like an extra onion bag around it or something like that it seems to work much better um And then you can take that out and then actually make an IMO2 out of it, you know, much more traditionally after a two to four day uh, inoculation in the river. Um, So you're going to take your rice, cook it until it's uh, sterilized, um, you know, just long enough till it's at a boil, cut it, uh, strain it, put it in your bag, put it out, uh, and then uh, again, keeping it just off the bottom it has to be a moving body of water. Do not do a stagnant body of water. Again, you're going to get yourself into trouble. If you start dealing with stagnant bodies of water, you can get all kinds of nasty stuff it has to be moving. Um, uh, and again, you, you, know, tie it off to a tree, tie it to a stick tie, you know, something to anchor it, you know, just so it, it stays where it's going to be. Um, and then, uh, Uh, The other way that we found, and and we actually used to sell these at the aquaponic source is to take uh, sea sponges. Um, You can get the, um, you know, the ones used for painting or uh, what we found was the best ones for inoculating, especially when I used to do fish tanks. Um, You can buy whole packs uh, that are natural sea sponge tampons that the hippies buy. uh, And you can buy them in like huge 50, 100 packs. And uh, it's like ultra cheap. Uh, right, So it's like one of the cheapest ways to get proper inoculation size sponges uh, uh, in mass and um, uh, and collecting them that way. And then what we would do is we would take some uh, a little bit of sugar, uh, you know, usually a cup per gallon or so, or, uh, and then throw that in there and then boil those again, just to uh, mainly get the sodium out of them and kill anything that might be on them and just sterilize them. And then again, putting a couple of those into a, a bag and then throwing them either into a sump of an established um Uh, aquaponic system or again in in when we were doing more studies uh you know into again moving (laughs) bodies of water or floating them like a bobber you know in uh, on a or from a jug or something like that and collecting those mineralizing microbes from that Uh, the third way that we we looked at or the fourth way uh because we already talked about the rice the sponge and the um the, the plant um, leaf material is, is through the root collection. So this is more like your traditional uh, kind of thing where you're taking you know, some root mass and a little bit of, of, of soil from right where the roots were from rushes and cattails, things like that. Uh, just a small little snippet of it uh, and taking that and utilizing that to brew up the same way you would kind of compost. So you're just collecting it and utilizing it as you would a compost sample for your compost teas. Um, again, this tends to provide the most amount of aquatic fungi uh, um, when we did the, the research. Uh, but um, uh, along with the rice, those two really had the most amount of aquatic fungi spores and other, you know, type structures growing in them, whereas the uh, the rest had were, you know, pretty, um, with the sponges, they had a lot of bacteria and then a ton of arthropods because they have lots of little places in um, and then to hide and things like that. So it's great if you're trying to see larger My, uh, you know microorganisms in your aquaponic system or hydroponic system, but um, again, not as relevant if you're doing compost teas. So definitely stick to the rice and the plant mass and the root mass uh, brewing as the you know main collection uh, methods over anything else. But again, when you're doing those root collections, you you do still have that same problem where you can accidentally introduce some things because some of these root mat balls and these plants are pretty anaerobic, and this is where you can get yourself into trouble. So making sure that you do have your 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 stuff uh <laughs> the dog is uh, getting the attention of the camera instead it's pretty funny he <laughs> you told your show man the dog is still in the show
1: that's cute <laughs> so
0: uh, but um but yeah so you can um uh you know those are really the best ways i've found to collect uh, microbes um, and, uh, and as far as aquatic, aquatics goes, um, you can really get yourself into trouble pretty quickly if you're taking it, especially from dried pools. And there's quite a few predators and quite a few, you can also get cyanobacteria uh, and a whole bunch of other things when you're taking them from those, those last of the dried pools because those are one of the last things to sporulate uh, if you're taking it from say a pond that has dried up. Um, you know, if it has a green or red film across the top, definitely don't touch it because that can really jack up your phosphorus. And and some of your other stuff that can that can be very negative to your mineralization process, and even toxic to the plants directly, and and uh, cause a whole host of other negative problems that you do not want to run into. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's what I have to say on that. All right, well, um, what uh uh, is there anything else you wanted to tell people? How do people find you in your podcast? Uh, and then um, uh, when can they look forward to the next episode?
1: Um, so every Thursday, I have episodes at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and they can be found on uh, Spotify, Apple Pod, the Apple Apple Podcast, I guess, uh, Pocket Cast, Google. I think it's called Google Cast there's all basically every uh, podcast platform it's available but spotify and apple are my top you know the top ones of pocket cast google cast radio sp or something i believe is like that um and then coughing with canna queen is the name of it you can just put that in the search bar and then I have uh, my Instagram is coughing with of queen, and then the Facebook is coughing with canna queen as well. And cannabis, if we're going to throw those out there too. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're big fans of
0: cannabis. Uh we, we both know the owners. So.
1: Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I really, I've enjoyed that platform because um, everywhere else has almost unpublished all of my stuff. So I. <laughs> need to really just kind of probably jump on making a website so i don't have to worry about all my content getting taken down but it is available on the podcast platform so there's that's good
0: apparently i'm sitting too still i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome uh well yeah it is kind of a we we've often harped i know i have often harped in particular and stressed and lost sleepless nights over uh Like, I think we've gone down to one more strike and we're doomed on the YouTube channel, at least two separate times that I can think of recent in the last couple months alone. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's just, you know, trying to, to, we actually ended up, I ended up going back and having to remove almost all the links that we've ever had on the show um uh for all of our guests and we're just linking to their social media accounts because it seems like that's kind of not getting flagged. Um if I put their websites up I, I immediately get flagged on the on the so it's oh wow we're having lots of issues with that.
1: Yeah it's never ending hopefully oh, yeah. one day but definitely that's thankful what for have, cannabis. <laughs>
0: that's why we have cannabis where we don't have to deal with all that bullshit.
1: Yeah exactly
0: We have a a question from, uh, well, thanks so much for for coming on and telling us about your your podcast and everything and what you're doing and about Oklahoma. Um, You're more than welcome to stick around if you want to kick tires for another 15 or 20 minutes. If not, uh, thanks for coming on. We've we've definitely tied up quite a bit of your evening. So thanks.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Y'all have a good night.
0: (laughs) Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, we had a question from chat. Steve, uh, are you familiar with flower and grain mites at all? Uh, what is your opinion on the best soil predators? Um, so uh, as far as uh, flower and grain mites, um, I have not had any issues with those. Uh, I have not also not used them to breed my own mites. I know lots of friends that do worm bins that have just a psychotic amounts of H miles Um, that i can steal off of all the time but um i have not regret those as far as opinions on best soil predator mites it depends on what it is that i'm going after but really it's almost always h miles or uh, the new classification is tradioli laps schematus. Um, uh, which is the new uh, Latin name for it? Um, now, the other soil predator that I really like to go to, though pretty heavily, and we just talked about them a little bit earlier when we were talking about the lily aphids, uh, is the um, the uh, The uh, uh, dolatias, not dolatids. Uh, dolatias. Dolatias. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm high. This guy smoked a ton of hash. Um, the dolatias uh the uh what do they call rove beetles sorry it took me a minute to remember the common name um that would be the other one uh, you know is, is really a go-to so if i think i have a root problem or especially well not if i think if i find one um, in fact i was just at a grow uh, not that long ago at a, a grow where they you know all the all their hydroponic number or all numbers were good um you know all the temperature was in range like everything was perfect there was just no reason Uh, why anything should be wrong. And they're getting this random yellowing. And, uh, you know, I narrowed it down to either, you know, a a systemic leaf fungus or some kind of root problem. And uh, it turned out it was really, really early root aphid infestation that it was just starting to yellow off the plants. We we caught it really early and we were able to keep, um, it was the same week they're thinking about flipping them. So we just kept them in veg for two more weeks and just hacked the shit out of them. Um, and, and we're able to beat them back and, and they're still doing the treatment going into flower, but, you know, they have the population down to you know such a low level now to where they're going to be able to beat them back that, that, that next two weeks going into flower. So, uh, and that was a couple of weeks ago. That was a month or two ago. So I got my, my big giant, uh, knitted, knitted joint.
2: I thought it was one of your tampons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Big no Anyways, um, so uh, you know you can do a, a combo like we talked about earlier with the root aphids of the the biocontrols rotation every other day and just kind of overrunning them the, the reason why i say rotate so many over every other day is because it seems like there's there's a couple different varieties a couple different species that have very similar um, behavior and they're very hard to tell apart without Sending them out for analysis, and um, you know, it also keeps them—you know—harder for them to evolve around as well. You know, if you're hitting them with a couple different fungals all at the same time, you know, they're kind of just done, right? It just wipes them out. And while some of the rove beetles do die from it, you know, the vast—I would say—we 85, 90 percent of them are, we're seeing are just fine. We're, we're still seeing, you know, babies and reproduction going on just fine when we're doing those—you know—heavy releases in an emergency situation. So. Um, even with, you know, three times a week of sprays, of biocontrols, so, um, you know, it works just fine. But that would be the, uh, you know, that it was kind of an interesting situation to, to deal with where, you know, just everything else was perfect and you're still getting yellowing on the plants and it's kind of like, well, what else could it be, you know, one of those situations. So it's always... Always good to run into those now and then. Keeps you on your toes.
2: Yeah, yeah I would agree. You know, each miles or there's a new name for it now. I forget whatever the new name is.
0: Estradiolapschimatus.
2: Yeah, what he said. And then um, <laughs> rogue beetles. Uh, you know, just like he was saying, are probably the the two best primarily soil predators. Um, and that's really where your where your fight is going to be. So I would even add them if you have worm bins. I would, I would add right to your worm bins.
0: I would also add the,
2: um, your fumble treatments to your worm bins as well.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, you can always add a little bit of labs, the cheese from your labs. If you don't have anywhere else to put it, throw it in your worm bins. They love that stuff. Holy smokes. Especially if you, I don't know if anyone else has ever put in like, or their kids put in too much meat and you end up w- uh, with the, um, the trichoderma and you get the green mold all over. You can you know blast that with the labs just to get your your uh, compost bin back to something that resembles a uh, stable again for your ver- your your worms. Um, what's new with you and your grow? I know that you got all kinds of stuff going. You got a grow light challenge. You got all kinds of stuff going out there.
2: Oh yeah, so I have uh, right now. I have the um, Mars Hydro SP one hundred and fifty and the um, Bloom Plus BP 3000, 3000? yeah. So uh, they're basically you know, pretty close to the same technology like we talked about. Um, they're both sort of a modified quantum board. Um, and, uh, and they've both been performing really well. So you can check out those updates on, uh, on my YouTube channel. But shout out to, to them. Uh, Also, shout out to uh, Casual Fields Ferments. Um, They uh, provided some samples that we used, and they've been uh, doing a great job of sharing stuff on social media, and um, their comfrey comfrey ferments and sort of their dedication to education about that has been uh, really cool. So if you uh, haven't checked them out yet, uh, check them out. They were on uh, Attack to Grow. and then uh, also uh, on their Instagram, which I think is just at Casual Fields. Uh, you might have to check that out. Anyway, uh, so shout out to them. Um, those are kind of everything I have going on now. So the room's in Perpetual Flower. I, have, I threw maybe like, uh, I want to say like five or six more plants in there after I harvested. So I pulled down, since the last time we were on, I pulled down a bunch. Uh, let's see, this is uh, all snowman right here which just came off the drying room um, and is just starting to get birched. Snowman is an interesting strain. It's super frosty, um, kind of nice dense nugs, didn't scrog really well. And you didn't get a lot of tops off of it. Um, you know, so I would say uh, um, and the, the smell is interesting. It's kind of like an earthy smell to it. Um, so. Yeah, I think that uh, it's interesting, the Thorsberry. Like I've said before, if you just handed it to me and told me it was sour diesel, I would believe you. It smells like sour diesel. It tastes like sour diesel, um, grows like sour diesel. Uh, you know, so I, I don't see it being that much different. And it, it, that's definitely the genetics. It has sour diesel as one of the parents. So that's in there. Um, and the sunset sherbet is definitely my, my personal favorite out of the three that I just harvested. Um, and it's just super sweet um does not almost like to the point where it doesn't smell that much like weed like it's not the it doesn't really have any of the like the skunky it's very sweet very pungent um I'd had the extract of it before um definitely one of my my favorite uh extracts that I ever had was some live resin off of Sunset Sherbet. so I um uh, um, that was one of the reasons that I sought it out and grew it. I'd smoke some flour that my friend had grown with it. And, uh, um, you know, as, as usual, I, you know, the aquaponics was just, you know, a little bit better. So here's a little nug of that. I don't know if you guys can see that very well. This is just a little nug waiting to get broke up here. Um, but super frosty. Um, same, same thing with these three strains that I've I've seen with pretty much all the other ones, which is, you know, it seems like increased trichrome production, especially across all the shade leaves. Um, you know, just the uh, increase in trichome production, frostier, pungent, smells better, tastes better, smokes better. So really happy with how all of them come out. I did have the Thorsberry, um, I did find where it uh, hermed out. And so I don't know. Why that was, and if hadn't uh, see any type of light leak or anything like that. So um, the only thing I can think of is that last run I didn't have any issues with it herming out, and I was running 11:13 instead of 12:12. So I think I'm gonna switch back to that and just run it all the time. It was a little more complicated to do the try to figure out how I would adjust it when I was. Now that I'm in perpetual flower, I'm gonna have plants in different stages all the time so I can't run you know 12 12 at the start of flower and then step back to 11 13 um towards the end which is what I normally did when I was running the full you know just trying to run the full run at a time um so it just kind of complicates that so I think I'm going to switch back to just 11 13 all the time just flower everything on that and see how that goes um it did seem to not not affect yield that much Um, so even running an extra hour of light per day in the flower room all the way up until the end didn't seem to increase yield um, or size of buds or anything like that and you know may have just used more power so we'll see Um, so yeah that's kind of all the stuff that I have going on right now so I'm reloading uh, uh, some in recording some seeds that I'm popping I have the pineapple jack and the kajoa kush that I have seeds sprouted of. And then um, I've got some seeds that you left me when you were here for the class a while ago. I don't remember what they are, but I have those that I'm going to pop as well. Those are blue hash. Uh, blue hash, that's right. So, um, so, yeah, I think that it... Uh, As far as like garden stuff goes, I'm just sort of doing a little bit of everything all the time now. I'm popping seeds, cutting clones, transplanting. I think I've got, uh, you know, pretty much everything into, into full production and we'll just be able to stay in perpetual flower. Um, The grow off has been really, really cool. I want to add more LEDs to it (coughs) um, and get those going. I know we want to, you know, work with Spectrum King like we, we normally do. Still trying to work with uh spider farmer is another one that has reached out over youtube um so it's uh, fun to you know kind of interact with people over that and um i'll be continuing to run different strains under room and swap different stuff out and you know just kind of let people see you know what they can do i've really been impressed with with both of them so far but definitely the it seems like the higher wattage on the bp 3000 so even though it's 300 watts um it, it's really putting out a lot of light. Uh, it seems brighter next to a 330 watt ceramic metal halide. So I'll probably get a par meter and just test it. But um, I've been impressed with it so far, and the the growth rate is definitely, you know, at least the same. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun doing the LED stuff so far, and just want to add add to it. And I'll, I'll probably always keep a mix. Of ceramic metal halide in LED, um, and just put them into a grid pattern. Even after I decide at some point, I'll decide on which LEDs I want to put in there. And I'll probably just run six LED and six ceramic metal halide and do a hybrid setup. But it depends. Oh, the greenhouse. That's another. I got the greenhouse project. So we're uh, um, putting the post in the ground right now for the uh, greenhouse. Uh, it'll be 10. 10 feet wide by 40 feet long by 12 feet tall, I think. Um, so we got the blackout tarp and kind of everything uh, ready to go for that. And uh, um, finally stopped raining long enough to set some cement. So uh, that's going to be really exciting to have that set up. And then I'll have another system to build. I've got to put that together out there. So I've been crunching a few different things to kind of see what I want to what kind of system I want to set up out there. That's always fun to do something slightly different than than I've done before. So I have a couple of different greenhouse models that I've been working on, and I just got to pick the one I want to do now. (laughs) Go from there. should Um, should put
0: like a, a grow bed or a table, like right at floor level, like on the second floor above your grow, even if you're not growing weed and just do like peppers or something, just to show how you could do like a, you know, the sumped downstairs kind of thing
2: <laughs> yeah
0: that'd be cool um i do think i'll have
2: um you know i have at least a bed or two of uh of veggies so um so yeah maybe i'll do that uh i'll finish up the deciding on exactly how i wanted to go when I, I get all that done i'll do a little mini sketch up and we can talk about it here in the podcast just to kind of have some fun with it um so the uh the greenhouse project you know hopefully it'll you know it'll probably take me a couple of weeks at least i don't have a ton of spare time uh to get the greenhouse built and um get everything done but uh i drilled right through a french drain and to patch that so that was fun but i got to use my 3d printer to print a part for the patch which was kind of cool and that works really good so uh that was kind of fun um yeah so the between the greenhouse project and harvesting drying and jarring up the stuff that's coming off the drying rack and all the stuff i have to do for clones and moms take care of my dad make sure my kids do their schoolwork because they're still school at home they will be going back to school in february i think it is uh, up to four days a week if we decide to do that we might decide to keep them home still so we'll see but lots of lots of busy stuff happening. How about you? I know you got a lot of stuff going on too. I don't know what you want to cover, but
0: yeah. Uh, nothing. Uh, I'm trying to think. I have two big projects right now. That'll be, that we'll be doing once. Everything is, is, uh, a little farther along. We'll be showing you guys that are going to be, you guys are going to like it. Um, I'll leave it at that. And then we have a, another project that I'll be doing some film of next month. Uh, it'll be nice to finally get the fuck out of here for a little while, at least a couple of days. Um, uh, and we'll have some footage of that next next week or uh, not next week um, next month. Uh, still working on dates on that, but uh, but that'll be fun to uh, to go and uh, work on another farm. Uh, it's actually going to be in an eastern state this time, so. Well, you guys will have to wait and find out which one uh, here soon. But uh, a state that I think a lot of people will be a little bit surprised to see is, is getting into the weed game. Um, they're just awaiting their final approvals there. So it'll be kind of cool to, to see. So um, definitely super stoked on that. Uh, and then um, we will be on, our I will be on the Fumador and Flavors show on Tuesday uh, night. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, I think it's at 7 Pacific uh, on Tuesday. And then I will be, on, we have um, the gentleman from the uh, Autoflower show uh, will be our guest next week. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I do apologize, but uh, he has a really cool, little, uh, mostly Instagram-based show. Uh, I ended up uh, having a really good time with him on his show. He was a very good interviewer. Uh, we're going to have him on the, on our show. Uh, to talk about auto flowers and uh and his podcast and his content creation so that'll be fun um so that you got that to look forward to and then um you know we'll be putting up a lot more of the um the talks from the um the conference i just need to i have them all uploaded and everything finally i just got to get them uh queued up now Uh, and then um what else do i want to tell you guys right now just some cool stuff in the works for this year Uh, lots of interesting things for this year um just tons of of new farms going up this year and uh especially once the travel restrictions lift we're going to be doing some cool stuff this year in some really cool places and that's all i have to say so we'll be uh and then definitely some cool stuff here, and even in the shorter term, that uh, again, I'm going to keep under wraps a little bit until uh, until we're the, ready to go uh, public and show everybody. Uh, but uh, yeah, just cool stuff going on all around.
2: Sounds good. Well, I, man, I got to take off, but uh, you guys can find me at AP Meds on YouTube, <coughs> at AP Meds um, on Instagram. Uh, the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Facebook group, uh, the online cannabis class, uh, which you can find in the link
0: below. APMJclass.com.
2: Yeah, APMJclass.com. Uh, definitely check that out. So, you know, I'm every about every three to four days, I'm putting up about 20 videos. So, um, and those are all, you know, uh, eventually we'll have over 600 slides, um, and that doesn't even count some of the we'll be pulling some of the content that we've already created for other platforms and putting it on to here. Um a lot of the additional info on the LEDs that I'm doing. The uh, anything that we test will definitely be going up there, so um, we'll have a separate section for that and uh, like tested products. Um, so, you know, we offer everything in there from, you know, lists of equipment to. Uh, you know, recommended products for growing or inoculation or any number of different things. So uh, if you are interested in that, please go check that out on the Teachable platform, which we are uh, excited to be on. Uh, Let's see, anything else that I'm forgetting? Probably, yes, but I'm gonna go with that. That's my final answer.
0: Uh, Yes, definitely, you can uh, check me out at um... Poentponexx on SoundCloud, iTunes YouTube uh, where we have most of our video content and a whole bunch of other places um, we will be at Bubba's Brew house in Durant this weekend uh, on Saturday night um, and um, yeah it'll be uh, it'll be a good time um, they're doing the what's it called the 70s oh I'm sorry uh, it's called the 70s smoke out or something like that anyway it's gonna be pretty cool we'll be there uh, uh, you know uh, hanging out and uh, yeah we'll, we'll see you guys there um, stay safe stay healthy smoke your mullen and uh, we'll catch you guys uh, next week.